Welcome back, everyone, to the Punk Rock Horror Podcast. I am the Undead Matt. And I'm Krampus Cody. And today, we are here to remind you that if it's getting hotter where you live, to please invest in some shorts and some shirts and, and you know, drink well, drink your water, and just keep your eyes on your damn kids. Pure and simple. Just all I'm just going to say is keep your eyes on your damn kids. <laughs> that aside... <laughs> It's just ironic that you're saying if it's getting hotter out there, get some shorts because it's snowing over here. (laughs) (laughs) It's our last snow. (laughs) I know. It's like I don't know, man. This is like eleventh winter. I'm pretty certain. I'm aiming for (laughs) twelve. I think we're gonna get a twelve. It's it's the it's the normal Colorado winter in my opinion. I mean. I mean, people are learning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that being said, we are happily joined by a recurring guest. She's a friend of the show. If you know who I'm talking about, if you know if you read the title of this episode, then you're well aware of who it is. But everybody, please open up your dead cold arms to the amazing Crystal from Horror Nights In. Welcome back, Crystal. Hi. Thanks Hello. for having me on again. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for coming back. That's Again, today's episode is brought to you by SlashingCast.net. We, that is our current home for where you can find all of our episodes, merch, Patreon links. Uh, if you want to listen to us there, make sure you check out all the other episodes on there. We're kind of like the adorable little black sheep podcast, and we hold that title proudly. So <laughs> check them out. They're really cool. That being said, yeah. So, Crystal, it's been a minute since you've been on the show. We've uh, we come out with a couple episodes since you came on that you that you weren't able to be a part of, but we're glad to have you back here. So, what what has life been like for you on your side of the world? So, it's been nice. Uh, (laughs) I have been super busy with YouTube and things like that, uh, just in the brand in general. I'm almost to a thousand subscribers on YouTube, which is really cool. I never thought I would even get like 10. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that's been a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. I love YouTube. I feel like I've said this before on the podcast. It's just something that I I love creating. And I think sometimes I have to like go back in my journal and like reread why I do it, especially when (laughs) things get annoying (laughs) on like technology wise, you know, because you guys know you put we put a lot of effort into creating a brand and we don't get paid for this stuff. And (laughs) I think it's really important to always, I always have to remind myself of like why I'm doing this. And it kind of like brings me back a little bit and helps calm me down when I'm like, I gotta edit this video. I have to put it out in an hour and I haven't even started. Like, you know what That doesn't happen, but just saying, um, (laughs) But it's mm-hmm. rewarding and um, it's, a, you know, it's a slow process when it comes to things because everybody wants to be a YouTuber nowadays. But I think, it, oh, you know, slow and steady always wins the race. You can get a good foundation, as you guys know, too. You know, when you guys do your podcasts, you are doing it for the love of, of horror and sharing what you love about it. And I think that's really important. But other than that, you know, just working hard and making sure that I'm hitting my deadlines because I'm a perfectionist when it comes to that stuff. So if I don't have something done in time, I get really mad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, everything is good over here. Um, Everything's kind of slowly starting to kind of open up again. But for the most part, uh, everybody is just, you know, being cautious. So I'm happy about it. It's nice. 
that's good. You know, uh, one of the most recent videos you did, and I want to ask you about it uh, too, but I do want to say that I'm glad you touch on like the ha- finding your motivation to yeah. to get something done. Like I give us the credit that we're pretty organic with how we talk on the show and that we don't, you know, we don't really cast this huge veil of like, you know, Hollywood magic or like behind the scenes magic or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, we, we, we let our listeners know kind of, you know, in, in ways, you know, when we are struggling or we're having trouble finding motivation, oh, we don't yeah. make it overtly known. But mm-hmm. I think it's cool when I think, well, I don't know if say cool, but I think it is good. There's this like organic goodness about hearing about a uh, creator's struggle because it is it is easy to forget that, you know, that there is an effort that has to go into it. There is a process that you have to go through. And just like last year and this year, and we keep talking about it, is that everybody's going through a weird mindset on trying to get back on top of what they do. I mean, um, just a quick reference. I want to shout out uh, Joey Reddix from Ethersoth. He's a, he started a new project called uh, Eremus, which I hope I pronounced that correctly. I don't know if Joey's listening. If you are, I am sorry if I totally butchered that. But, you know, I was talking with him a little bit about his latest project and he was, you know, he was kind of just mentioning just like how much of a struggle it even is for him just to be able to see, you know, his girlfriend McKenzie, you know, and that they do run Ether's Oath together. And it's just, and it's just, that's what I mean. Finding that motivation, finding that mm-hmm. way to get back on top of what you do. I think there's so much more of an under, undertaking that people don't realize about that. So I appreciate you touching on that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it, it's super important to, you know, people, the general public can be not, you know, super intelligent. For the most part, they're pretty <laughs> good at depicting whether someone's doing it because they love it or they're just doing it because they want a lot of subscribers. Um, I think a lot of people um, are super aware of that and I think they can pick up on those vibes um, because it's not easy, you know, like we all have regular jobs that we go to and in our spare time we try to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves mentally, physically, and emotionally on top of trying to build a brand from the ground up. And I don't, you know, people see the, the, you know, the glitz and the glamour of it and the cool edits and transitions. But, you know, for people who have come to me and asked me, um, you know, questions about YouTube and I kind of give them a little bit of a breakdown, but then they're like, oh, I don't really want to do all that. And I'm just like, well, then you don't really want it then. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't really know what to tell you. You don't really want to do it then because I've been, you know, as you guys, you have to invest in equipment and technology and programs and editing software and cameras and lights and that stuff isn't cheap. So I think... Mm if you really want it, people will find you. So it it goes back to that saying of, if you build it, they will come, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) No, you're good. And I was just, just going on the topic of like, you know, being able to keep motivated and everything through this. I, and also Matt, just because you threw a shout out, I actually want to give you a really big shout out. And and I really want the the listeners to hear this. Cause like, so like it's been a real struggle for me for a really really long time with a lot of things going on i've been struggling hard (laughs) um because i got a lot on my plate outside of like podcast stuff that's just kept piling up and i just really got to give you a shout out because like if it wasn't for you like this podcast would not keep Mm -hmm. going 
honestly like you're like the backbone to this fucking podcast and you're the mm. reason why it keeps going and why we're getting all these great guests and why we met crystal even and everything she's being an awesome guest and a recurring guest man like i gotta give you the shout out for keeping this going and picking up like a lot of my slack and the same with the rest of the prhp crew because like if it wasn't for you and for them like I don't know where we would this would be (laughs) like I don't think it'd be where it's at now for sure so like I'm sure I'm sure Matt has done so much and it's just like it's 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 so true like you have to find that motivation you have to have that passion for something in order to dedicate hours and hours and hours of your time because it's not just hitting the record button you know it has a lot of marketing that goes into it too because I really feel like everything is so saturated, especially everybody was staying home. Everyone was bored. They're trying to figure out what they can do to, you know, do something. So everyone's like, oh, I'll start a podcast or I'll start a YouTube channel. But like, yeah. that's the thing. Is you, don't, you don't, you just don't know how hard oh. it can be sometimes. And I don't want to deter tough. anybody listening <laughs> to not to start one. Cause if you have that passion, you'll do it. And it's really yeah. cool. Cause you know, I get a lot of people that will be that, you know, they'll, those like people that I know in where I live and they're just like, oh, you're still doing that like little podcast thing. And I'm like, actually, I have a YouTube channel and I almost have a thousand subscribers. So it's not really that little. Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. <laughs> I hate that. I hate yeah, that. For, for I'm sure some... you I'm sure you guys understand okay. it, too. So, yeah. so hold up first, Cody, I got to say thank you for saying that. That was very nice. You same thing to you, Crystal. Thank you. <laughs> but it, I'm going to I'm going to flip it real quick and say, if it, Cody, if it wasn't for you and the amazing crew that we have that also wants to continue to be on the show and and just even, you know, just do it because they love doing it. I would even have a harder time having certain motivation to come back and do certain things. So I, I, so it's, it's a very mutual thing. I, I I will still say, but thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, We're not going to talk about Asian horror today. We're just going to talk about me. (laughs) We're going to talk about how hard it is to be a podcaster and a YouTuber. (laughs) And that's before the, I add that's on what you're saying, I got to say, <laughs> one of the funniest things that just happened when when you were when you were given that compliment because like because Chris, I'm going back through um, your videos just for referencing to to talk about <laughs> right when you start right when we got really at that good moment and you were given the compliment, just it happened to show on Crystal's video of celebrity theories, little Nas going down on the pole, and I'm like, it's so oh, hard yeah. to not, like, oh yeah, spur. <laughs> right, right now, because <laughs> like, you're being because you're because you're being genuine, you're both being genuine and sincere. That I just see little Nas just going down on the devil, and I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> like, this, this is the wrong time to play this. <laughs> yeah. That was a funny video. No, I, I, I digress. I, I, I hate that. I hate it when um when people like and I've talked about it before, is that you know, I hate it well the one question I always hate getting whenever I talk about the podcast is, Oh, does that pay well? Or oh, does that pay yeah. good? Or dude, you, I, I hate because that's like when people like, are you making money on it yet? And I'm like, yeah. are you are you listening to me? <laughs> like, no? Like, yeah. Yeah. I hate I hate that shit. For what? First off, you wouldn't say that to a band. You know, if you're going to go support a band, you wouldn't come up to them afterwards and be like, "Hey, does playing this music pay you good?" Like, you'd probably get your teeth knocked in if you go to a punk show and ask someone that. You know, like <laughs> it, it's the same thing. It, even if you take it out of that context and put it more like 
uh, like uh, another context of going to somebody who has a job. You know, if even just somebody yeah. came up to you, Crystal, and said, "Hey, you know, does I'm not going to say what you do on on <laughs> recording, but like I'll just make up a job if that's okay." Yeah. You know, like, uh, <laughs> Crystal, does caregiving really pay? You, you know, mm. do you make money from that? Do you make money from caregiving? Like. That that would piss you off, right? Like, why would it, yeah. that is just such? A, that's what it sounds like when somebody when you talk about the podcast and people are just like, "Oh, do you make good money from that? Are you getting paid from that?" Yeah, like, like fuck off, dude. Like, my like my favorite. Like, I generally understand if they it is it. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, go ahead. I say my favorite response because like I'll, I'll talk to people at the uh, at the pub and stuff when I get off and like I'll have a drink and every and I'll bring up the podcast and my favorite thing is when when every now and then when I'll get someone asking I'm like oh you're making a lot good money doing that huh and I'm like I mean I'm still working here yeah so. right <laughs> <laughs> like I still I don't have do another this cause I, you know yeah, like, I, I still have it. another job like and I do enjoy my job at at the pub yeah. and everything but it's just one of those things where I'm like. I mean, I'm still doing a regular job, so no. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm not Joe. Yeah. Rogan. You also, yeah, it's not even that. You have to find your own motivation too, because I mean, it's. I guess it's a little bit different when you have a co-host or somebody who does it with you, but you know, you have to find. You have to kind of give yourself a pep talk and be like, okay, this is good. Like, I'm gonna keep doing this. Like, I'm doing a really good job. You know, that kind of thing too, because. I know, at least for my friends and family, love them, you know, but they're not asking me how it's going, you know, and this is no, I'm not talking shit or anything on them. I'm just saying, like, it's just not in the forefront of their brain as much as it is mine. It's not, they're not at fault for that. You know, it's kind of just like, you have to find your own motivation. You have to give yourself pep talks when it comes to this stuff, because if you don't, then you're going to, you're just not going to do it anymore. So because yeah, it takes right. long, and, it takes a long it. time and, to f- get, you know, people that are consistently watching and listening every single week, you know, mm-hmm. it takes a, it takes a while. It does. And like, so, and, and, so and, my biggest sorry, thing, I would say my biggest thing to all of our listeners and whatnot, when you, and just, and this is what you should tell other people too, and just spread the word. So when you talk to someone about their YouTube channel or their podcast, don't ask if they're making money about it. How about ask them, oh, that's cool. What do you have lined up? Like, what's your next video going to be about? What's your next episode going to be about? Because yeah. then that'll, give us, that'll help us like, go, oh, fuck yeah. You know what? Even if you're not going to come watch my video, the fact that you you yourself invet- just said like a small little helpful thing of like, well, what what else are you going to do? Or like, where can I watch it? Where can I listen yeah, to it? How can I like find that. you? You know, just so, stuff where like can that. I read, where can I leave a review? Yeah, yeah, where can I leave a review mm-hmm. and stuff like that? Or where can I check out, like, where can I see reviews, even can, where can I see reviews of your podcast if you're, like, anal about that? <laughs> but, you know, just stuff like that. Instead of asking about, like, what do we get out of it? How about what are we doing next with it? Because, like, what we're getting out of it is just, like, self, for the most part, self-satisfaction of doing something fun that we love and interacting with other people that we uh, that have similar interests and love, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and a- I would even yeah. add on to that. With, with being more established now... What we get out of it, too, is that knowing that we have, you know, dedicated ghouls, gals, creeps, and mutants alike who love tuning into the show. And some of the biggest reasons why they tune in is because it's, one, it's entertaining for them. We make them laugh. And knowing that we do that alone 
you know, is just an, enough motivation for us to come back and try to, you know, liven people's days because we get it. We've been there, you know, and if our podcast mm-hmm. and if Horror Nights In does that for you, then hell yeah, of course we're going to come back and love doing it. And if we can, you know, educate yeah, you on the history takes, of horror yeah. one way, then all the better. And it only takes, it only takes like one nice comment of somebody who's saying, I really liked this video. I just subscribed to your channel. Like, keep up the good work. Like, it literally takes one comment or one good iTunes review or Spotify review or anything to be like, all right, cool. I'm going to keep doing this, you know? Because you got, like I said, you got to find that motivation within yourself to really do it. So, and a lot of people don't have that, you know? They like the idea of it. They think, you know, that they have good thoughts and sometimes (laughs) they don't. You know, so you really have to have a passion for it. So if anybody listening wants to start a podcast or a YouTube channel, just know that you are basically signing yourself up for a full to part-time job so that you don't get paid for. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. However, I will, to add on to that, I will say if you are doing that and you are absolutely sure it is something you want to do, hold on to it with the tightest grip mm-hmm. you have. Keep yeah. pushing forward and fuck anyone else who doesn't see the value in it that you do. Remember, you're doing yeah. it because you want to do it, not because Bob and Jane down the street, you know, haven't ever heard of it before. Yeah, fuck Bob. Yeah. Keep your grip tight. Yeah. Keep pushing <laughs> mm-hmm. forward. And like I, um, you know, you keep a, you write when you first start doing it, which I wish that I had done is you kind of figure out your why, like, why are you doing it? Like, is it just to get a lot of subscribers so you can make money off of brand deals? You're not going to succeed. You know, you know, you got to make sure your why is there. It's got to be, you want to share passion and your knowledge and your opinion on whatever it is that you're talking about because people will find you. So, Mm -hmm. To, yeah. to, to be quite candid about it, not every podcast wants to be like the Joe Rogan experience, and there's a reason for that. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. <laughs> Keep your creativity yeah. unique. Keep pushing forward. Uh, and you're, it, however it turns out is going to be based off the amount of you put in. Don't ever give up, ghouls, gals, creeps, and mutants. Mm-hmm. The world can be very unkind and unsympathetic, but when you put your heart out there and you give it, give it a chance, you will find the empathetic people, the people that love seeing what you do, love yeah. seeing your creative side, and just want to see you flourish. So don't give up. Keep pushing forward. And when in doubt, come back to this episode and re-listen to this speech if you yeah. need to pick me up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, Matt, you're so good at those. Jeez. <laughs> my next career it's is like to just do, do TED Talks about things that... Damn! Yeah! <laughs> Uh, it should be your other side project. <laughs> Podcast about podcasting. I'll reach out to Daniel Lewis at the Audacity to podcast and be like, hey, do you mind if I kind of encroach on your territory? That's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Um, I'm sure he seems like a nice guy. I think he'll be cool with it. <laughs> yeah. totally chill. <laughs> and always, and always, um, always, always keep learning because, and especially with marketing too, like the more that you can learn, there's so many YouTube videos out there that you can watch about how to build engagement. Like, watch them, they're so important. So, yeah. With that being said, I think we could, we could probably move on at this point, but <laughs> we, we probably should, to be quite honest. <laughs> so, 
Um, Cody, I, I will pass it to you in just a moment to continue explaining, but mm-hmm. listeners, just a reminder, this episode uh, we are dedicating to standing against Asian hate, and the way we are doing that and showing our solidarity is by talking about the history of Asian horror cinema throughout time. So this episode is going to be part one. I'll let Cody explain what we're going to exactly talk about. But again, uh, listeners, please, just a reminder, stand up for each other, advocate for each other. If you see something, say something. If you witness something, report it. You know, uh, we only, again, we only survive as a species when we continue to learn to care for each other and tolerate each other's boundaries. So please, please, please take care of each other. But Cody, uh, go ahead and explain what we're talking about today. Yeah, uh, just like uh, Matt said, we're going to be talking about the history of Asian horror throughout the decades and everything, and this is part one. So we are at, we're going to be talking about the history of Asian horror from the 1920s to the 1980s, just because a lot of uh, a lot of the biggest reasons why it's in the 19 horror cinema and that Asia started in the 1920s is we're going to get started on that. Sorry, I like overthought my explanation there at the end. <laughs> no, it's okay. It was, it was it's funny cuz I didn't know we were going all the way back to the 1920s cuz when we first talked about it we were just like, yeah, what's part 1 going to be? Ah, we'll do 1950s to the 70s. I'm like, okay, that seems pretty decent and then we just so, took it like sit, you know, an additional 30 year hike. <laughs> well, okay, the reason why the reason why is cuz like when I first did that cuz I wanted to I was uh, originally I, I was going to dabble in just like the three major um, the three major Asian uh, horror-like genres, which is Korean, China, uh, Chinese, and Japanese. Um, and when I did that, J-horror, so Japanese horror, doesn't really pick up till the 60s, uh, even though there's a couple films that predate that. We'll get there when we get there. Um, and then Korean horror doesn't really pick up until, like, the 60s and 90s. So, like, yeah, there are, like, horror stuff going on there but they didn't really pick up in cinema until then and then in china it picked up in the 1920s um and it's really funny <laughs> like how all their like how their uh movies and everything get so that's why i had to like go all the way back to the 20s because it's important <laughs> okay mm-hmm. well we we'll educate us all right so uh, so horror, uh, the horror really didn't start happen- happening in Chinese uh, in Chinese cinema until, cinema until the roughly 1920s. Um, one of the biggest reasons of be- that is because China has such strict sensory boards. So it was really weird how they had to like get these out. So um, the root of Chinese horror films centered roughly, mo- ru- ah, sorry, centered mostly. I'm bringing old old tales, myths, folk tales, and supernatural stories to life, but they sprinkled in sprinkled it in with some kung fu. So that's kind of like how they yes. got around things. <laughs> they made it like an cool movie. Um, so China isn't really internationally famous for their horror movies, um, and a lot of that has to do with the extreme censorship uh, laws that they have, especially with distribution. That's the biggest thing with Chinese uh, censorship, is they don't want to distribute mm-hmm. films that paint China in a bad light. So, just like Korea. <laughs> if you, uh, For more on that, go back to the our Korean horror episode where we went into the uh, delved into the history of Korean horror way, way, way back when um, I can't remember the episode at the moment. I forgot to write it down. Um, anyways, uh, but China, uh, so 
going back to here, but China's entertainment industry does have a past uh, touching on the spooky end. Um, one of the most influential people for this was uh, uh, for the genre is a King Dynasty era writer named Pu Songling. Um, he lived from nineteen six or sorry 1640 to 1715. I was like, 1900s was not the dynasty. <laughs> I was like, wow, he is old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he wrote hundreds of stories that influenced horror movie that has influenced horror movies ever since. Um, he wrote almost all of his tales had to deal with ghosts and the supernatural, uh, uh, supernatural, not supernatural bull. Um, but his greatest uh, contribution, uh, sorry, what are you saying? I was just, I feel like you just gave a word now to like discredit anything paranormal, supernatural. <laughs> We're like supernatural. Oh my bull, God. That's, I right? that's supernatural bullshit. <laughs> That's funny. Oh my god, t-shirt, t-shirt. Hashtag. Hashtag. Copyrighted on the Punk Rock Horror Podcast. Supernatural (laughs) bull bullshit. (laughs) That's funny. That's like all, well, never mind. I know. I was going to say something about the, what's that show with Zach? The Ghost Hunters. But never mind. I won't say it. I won't say it because I know. um, Oh, I trash Zach Baggins all the time just a spider. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't want to say that because it's not nice. It, I know that she really likes them it, it, or really likes him. <laughs> it's okay. It, it is it is a joking thing at best. They are well aware. I'm sure Ar- once Aaron sees Cody again, she'll just beat him up or something. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I watch it, so I can't really say anything. So, you know, she'll, it is But anyway. Yeah, she'll have her boyfriend filming it the entire time saying, Who's the best ghost hunter, Cody? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. Anyways. Yeah, going back to it. Um Going back to it, so uh, Pu Song Ling, his uh, greatest contribution to uh, horror, to all of horror, um, is actually the the old trope of a man falling in love with a woman who turns out to be a ghost, or a person falling in love with another person who turns out to be a ghost. So, like that fucking terrible rom com romance movie where it turns out the wife was like actually a ghost dead talking to the girlfriend or whatever. I don't remember. I just remember it was a stupid twist where the wife was actually dead writing the girlfriend letters somehow, like to her. Oh, isn't that the lake house or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. So shit like that. <laughs> like, only reason why I don't I'm know like, how I know that. I'm a little disappointed <laughs> that I do. <laughs> I'm bad at myself. <laughs> Maybe you know, but like that—the only reason why I could think of that—that's uh, the movie that comes to my head—is because uh, horror, especially horror movies nowadays, don't really touch on this trope as much. I feel like I don't know any modern ones like that. So, but yeah, so that was kind of like what he, uh, what Pu, uh, Pu Song Ling, what he did. He really influenced all of China's early horror movies. 
um, that dealt with this. And so uh, dealt with this trope of a man falling in love with a woman who turns out to be a ghost. And then the 1930s uh, finally came around, and then this is where there was a big uptick in horror-themed movies. Um, and one of the more well-known ones in the 1930s was 1934's The Body Snatchers. Uh, it was about two friends who steal the treasure-filled coffin of a rich man and <laughs> of a rich man. And then there's also the first quote-unquote zombie movie, um, which is called Midnight Vampire. And it's a movie about a man coming back from the dead for revenge after being murdered by his older brother. The reason why it's in quotes uh, called a zombie movie is the actual term for zombie in uh, Chinese is Zhangxi. And so Zhangxi movies or zombie movies are meant to be or meant that anything that came back from the dead were considered zombie movies. So vampire movies... Dr. Frank, uh, Frankenstein would be considered a zombie movie. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think the monster would be a zombie, technically. Yeah. So the, uh, yeah, mo- yeah. 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 And then uh, also a lot. And so during this time, also most horror-centric movies um, of the time came from Hong Kong. And they started to shift from supernatural ghosts, uh, ghosts and ghost stories to more of the monster flicks and like more horrific flicks. So like an example is there is a cannibal uh, movie starring a cannibalistic army wife. Another one with an evil scientist that creates monsters such as dwarves and giants and a movie about a pack of female vampires just stalking the city streets. During this time, there were different censorship laws in mainland China and Hong Kong. So Hong Kong actually was able to get away with a lot more of the horror movies. So they were able to distribute movies that had dealt with the occult and monsters and supernatural because while the rest of China, their, their censorship laws were so strict that you, they couldn't show anything. They could not show or have themes that dealt with horror, gods, spirits, superstition, or heresy, like in mainland China. So, hmm. so they got they did a lot of to get around get around yeah. then. Yeah, basically, and so uh, how they got around that in mainland China was they developed the kung fu movies, <laughs> like the aspects to it, and made them more action. And then right. in Hong Kong, they were able to do straight up horror movies, straight up horror influenced movies. So it's weird that they kind of like had a weird exchange of like censoring and how they could do their movies. And mm-hmm. just like, I like that. I like that. It's like, ah, oh, no, you can't show anything horrific, but you put some Kung Fu in there and then we'll talk. Okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll see if you have Bruce Lee, dress him up as Dracula, have him take on the mummy. It'll totally be fine. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Well, well, you know, they figured it out, though. You know what I mean? Like, that's mm-hmm. that's that's amazing. That's, like, that's talent there to incorporate things like that and be able to get around guidelines. I mean, there's a will, there's a way, so. But, that, <laughs> but that's kind of badass, though. Like, as, as silly as it sounds, like, yeah. if you think about it, like, like that's kind of badass. Like, when you look at, like, Australia and their censorship and how weird their censorship is, that'll be a whole episode in itself if we ever decide to do it. But, like, or even uh, some even European uh, countries as well and how they have to go around it. I think it's so funny that it was just, like, uh, this one was just all about, like, yeah, to get ours passed, we just fucking put in great hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like that's kind of badass. Like I, I, I don't know. I, I, I maybe I'm just too much of a guy in that aspect. But I think just that is awesome. That they're just like, yeah, Kung Fu gives us the the A plus. We get the passing grade. 
Yeah. So, you know, it's great. So just thinking of talking about how uh, being badass it was to like get around the censorship boards. Let's talk about a director who did that shit. <laughs> Wait, he actually fought the censorship boards? No, like, no. Oh. <laughs> Sadly. Like no. in the movie Kung Fu. <laughs> See, Kung Fu Panda is actually about this guy. <laughs> but, but no. First up, Dave and Mark Inc. <laughs> but no, um, actually, yeah, Dave from marketing. <laughs> if you get past him, then you'll get, then you'll get Tom, <laughs> the janitor, because <laughs> we know he's better than Dave. <laughs> well, why is he above him? Because Tom has seen some shit, man. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so, but anyways. So anyway, so. Coming back, so, of course, like, talking about the censorship boards and how crazy it was to get any type of horror, to keep it to any way of keeping the horror genre alive was ne- almost near impossible outside of, like, Hong Kong, basically. And what who act- really kept uh, the genre alive in, in Hong Kong was a man named Ma Zhu Weibang. Um, he was a, so, uh, a little bit about him. He was a very gloomy man, and not much is known about his early life. Uh, what is known is that he lived from 1905 to 1961. His parents died when he was a young boy, and that probably influenced him to incorporate his wife's surname, Ma. That's just kind of like a rumor. But that's all that is about him. <laughs> um, about his uh, his early lives. So, he, uh, while he ha- did release several horror movies during this time, he's actually created, uh, he wrote, he directed pro- and released probably China's like most infamous early horror movies. Um, it is 1937's Song at Midnight. Um, it is a loose adaptation of the 1910 novel Phantom of the Opera. Um, in this version, our phantom is named Song Dong, uh, Don Ping and is a former opera singer and revolutionary whose ghost apparently haunts the theater he used to perform in. Um, and so... He added a lot of uh, revolutionary themes and expressionist visuals to his uh, movies, and he had a lot of that in this movie. Um, and so he had a really hard time getting it uh, past the censorship board of uh, okay, I'm going to butcher this word, and I apologize. Kuo Kuo Min Tang. I guess they're the the main censorship board. Um, and so he actually had to visit his friend Tian Han. And this guy, uh, Tian Han, he wrote the lyrics for the Chinese anthem, um, which is called March of Volunteers. So he got the guy who literally wrote the anthem to finally pass his movie. And after the movie was finally released, it actually became China's best and most influential movie and has been remade four times. And is uh, and in 2005 was finally um, awarded or uh, uh, acknowledged uh, by the Hong Kong Film Awards as the, one of the top hundred best Chinese motion pictures. Oh my uh, god, I love that so, story. <laughs> help me, help me understand a little bit. Yes. Well, I was the guy that wrote the national anthem, able to help get this passed. <laughs> so he had a lot of influence, I guess. Yes, he had a lot of influence in it, and because there's a big, big event that's about to happen in 1937. Um, so he no <laughs> no that was a good guess war i mean it's similar that is war. like <laughs> that is the most patriotic thing though like how to get a movie passed i swear 
Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but no, so uh, he had, he got this guy to help him uh, trim down his movie because the original cut of the movie you fi- uh, uh, had some special things in it, and I'm going to get into that. So the reason, uh, so in 1937, the Second Sino-Japanese War erupted, and it lasted until 1945, and it was a war that mainly consisted of the Republic of China and the Empire of Japan. Um, this was the beginning of China's involvement during World War II and is also considered the starting point of the entire uh, Pacific theater. So uh, the point in the war where Asia joins. Um, and so the end results and so I got, <laughs> the end results in China's victory, they become a permanent member of the UN, uh, the UN Security Council. Um, and of course, they go on to resume the Chinese Civil War. Because there's always a war in China um, at this time. Um, it's also the time that movie making, especially for horror movies, basically came to a halt. And so during this time, Ma Zhu, while he was making this movie and China was getting into this war, he, went, he was trying to also make a sequel to the movie, but it was overshad- but it, it would be overshadowed by his extremely controversial work on er- Eternity, a.k.a. the Opium War. Um, so the re- the thing the reason why he had to get his first movie pa- uh, passed by the censorship board and it took li- getting the guy who literally wrote the anthem to do it is also because is is the stuff he had to take out and it's a lot of the stuff that was in his his movie Eternity. The movie was a pro Japanese propaganda film that he released during the war. He had a lot. He's very he was very pro Japan. So he was a J- Japanese sympathizer, mm. and he had those scenes and those things written into Song at Midnight, and he had to actually take those out because he's a revolutionary against uh, communist China. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I, I think the most obvious statement and the most obvious thing to take away from this is that, uh, and given, I'm just going to give the credit to horror in general, is that you know, the art of horror still continued to go on and get made even during very turbulent times um, during this history from what, you know, is very apparent. And, mm-hmm. you know, just add, just add a little humor into it, I will say, because I, I, I don't mean to completely backtrack, but I do think it's like, I would have expected to hear that story out of America, somewhere in, in, in the states of like the guy that did the national anthem here getting a movie made, but that you know we're not going to move. Oh yeah, we'll go. <laughs> yeah, like and, and I was like, wow, maybe we shouldn't be as patriotic as we think. <laughs> but that like that that would have been a total USA thing to own, and and I'm just I think it's so cool. <laughs> it's just like. Go, no, like, go ahead. Go sorry, ahead. go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just—it's just—it's just weird, but like a cool kind of weird, where it's just like out of everyone to get a horror movie passed, the guy that did the Chinese national anthem did, and like that is—that is something that I just learned on this episode, and I think that's really <laughs> bad about it because it's just again, yeah, the power of horror is still far more influential than the power of anything else in the universe. I'm just gonna mm. say that. And then, but I I digress, continue. So, you know, it's even more, I guess, American to the story. (laughs) Or patriotic, or yeah. Patriotic, I guess. Well, I'm going to say American just because, like, I I feel, or I should say toddler. Well, we'll say toddler-esque. So, after the Japanese lost, 
or yeah, lost the war. Mazu just said, "All right, fuck it. I'm going. I'm taking all my shit and going home." And he moved moved away from mainland China and into Hong Kong, where he uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he's made several more movies. But he was hit by a bus and died in 1961. And, no. Yep, uh, yeah, and so the reason why I said more toddler-esque of, like, I'm going to take my shit and go home, it is widely, widely considered that after he left for Hong Kong, the horror genre died in the rest of China, oh, in no. the rest of mainland China. So, like, he literally said, fine, I'm taking my shit and going home, and you can't have any. <laughs> you never appreciated me to begin with. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to find a country that loves me and appreciates me. For who I am. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's that's what he did. <laughs> and so uh during this time, this is kind of when like uh the 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 horror genre in in China kind of just died. And so from the sixties, um jumping forward and jumping forward way into time into the sixties, uh so from the sixties until the sixties, like it was pretty much dead. Um, and so, like, except for some ghost stories and a lot of adaptations of Pu Song Ling's work, which everyone th- thought was okay since they've already been making all those movies, but there was no, there was no new stuff. There was no cool, like, there's nothing really, you know, like lighting the fire under the horror genre in, in China at this time. Um, until there's this little studio called the Shaw Brother, uh, called, yeah, Shaw Brother Studio, right? Yeah. Okay, just making sure, because I, I started calling it that because I thought I had a longer name. <laughs> I just want to make sure. So the Shaw You're Brothers. Totally cool. mm-hmm. So the Shaw Brothers Studio is probably the studio that kept the horror genre alive during this time. So they've been they were releasing a lot of these Poo, uh, a lot of Pooh Song Ling's uh, movies uh, in the '60s. They adapted Pooh's story, um, Ni Jai Quan, into the Enchanting Shadow. Um, the movie was a more gothic rendition of the tale and would actually be the inspiration for a fairly popular cult hit hor- uh, horror movie, A Chinese Ghost Story. Um, they released several horror, horror-themed movies, um, most of which followed, followed the trope of the man falling in love with a woman. The Shaw Brothers, they even remade uh, Song at Midnight into two parts, but everything except for the enchanting shadow that they put out, everybody pretty much said was sucked. <laughs> so including their new two-parter um and so but the shaw brothers decided in the 70s so the 70s came around and the shaw brothers studio decided to do something a little crazy they did a team up so they uh they are they did a collabs and they teamed up with britain uh britain's hammer films to make 1974's the legend of the seven golden vampires whoa yeah, I'm like, I love that name. So five uh, times fast. The Legend of the yeah. Seven Vampires. Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Ah, <laughs> 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 um, so, this movie, the movie is a mashup of kung fu and western style vampires. The actual vampires, not the zombie kind from their past films. Actual vampires. So, I had to put that. <laughs> um, it was more of a horror comedy, and it pitted Van Helsing and a family of martial artists against vampires and an undead army. The movie also contained gore and nudity, which was rare for a mainstream movie at the time in, in Asia. Um, 
the mo- with this movie and also the American horror scene thriving with all of our slasher movies and everything, um, it those were began uh, and uh, sorry because of all of that. Uh, the Shaw brothers actually started a horror war with all the film studios to see who could come up with the most fucked up movie. <laughs> like, all right. scary, fucked up movie. Um, and so with their Legend of the Guild, Seven Golden Vampires, Fong Ming Studio Movie Company released uh, that same year. Uh, an anthology movie in 1974 called Blood Reincarnation, and it contains blood and skimpy dressed women and a scene where a possessed baby bites the finger off his dad. Hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I was just, I was just going to add in. I, so I had to look it up though to see what other movies were out and at that time. And I know, cause I know one of the, well, in my opinion, one of the most popular movies that came out during that time, I wasn't even alive at that time was Willard, the uh, original Willard where he has kind of like, he has a bond with rats. I mean, if you've seen Willard, you know what Willard's about, but um, that aside, what I think is so interesting is that there was a lot of movies that were still coming out that were all around vampires and Dracula, whether it was, you know, Lake of Dracula to the return of Count Yorga to the Shiver of the Vampires, Lust for a Vampire. I mean, even Vampirios Lisbos. It, it, there's, it, it was just kind of interesting that, you know, uh, they saw, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming they saw this and they're like, fuck that we're gonna updo this shit we're gonna we're gonna set the bar even higher and we're gonna see if people can even match it so anyways (laughs) no that's fair (laughs) like i feel like that's what they did because also like like not only like were all these companies like competing with each other they were competing with american cinema because china has all the chinese film industry has always always tried to make a worldwide market even though like i mean you could even look at it today like even though a lot of like Chinese films aren't released worldwide, so it's really weird that that like they have this outward war like in mainland China, and then here in Hong Kong, there's this mini war uh, for horror movies between all of the studios. <laughs> I'd rather there be a war between studios than anything else. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, I wasn't talking about at least we get a lot of war. horror movies out like, of it. <laughs> I was talking about like mainland China having a war with itself and of its like identity crisis that it was having at this time because like everything that was getting released from China at this point like had to be some type of propaganda. So like, you know, pro pro propaganda. So like just like what we talked about when we uh in the Korean horror, like the censorship board there was so ridiculous where almost every like the horror genre almost died because literally everything had to be Korea is great propaganda, like every film, um, until the '90s, and it was kind of the same for uh, same here. Um, so, so that's like, why, I, like, I was getting at. Yeah. What? So they were still going through a struggle of of artists of creators who were wanting to have their creative freedom, uh, freedom, excuse me, but we're still having to go through the filter of what. Um, you know, higher up officials were wanting, you know, for Korea at the time, you know, I'm, at least I'll use that as the example, you know, uh, every, it's like what you just said, it had to be pro Korea and it couldn't be 
anything but that or be misconstrued from that, you know? And, and I do yeah. think that did limit some of the creativity. Now, I'm not going to assume uh, every director or producer's, uh, you know, motivation, what they went through for each movie, but I just do, I do think that's a very apparent, you know, um, still control on creative freedom back at the time. You got anything? No, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, <laughs> um, no, I uh, no, I agree. I think there's just so many. I guess you know, as creative people, we don't really think of you know when if we want to go create something, we do keep things in mind, but it's not anything that we were really you know what I mean of course you have to be respectful of people's religions you know faith things like that but there's no law that is restricting us from giving our opinion on something and I think that's something that we don't realize until we look at other cultures uh, as you're saying you know with this whole history and everything Cody like you're saying all of these hoops that these filmmakers had to had to you know go through we do hear about it in the united states a little bit but it's more so because horror directors and filmmakers and writers make their content almost too gory and they get like the you know nc-17 rating so they have mm-hmm. to take clips out and things like that but that's really the only thing they're kind of going up against is a restriction on whether or not you're going to get an r rating versus versus an nc-17 rating like american filmmakers for the most part at least the 20th century you know and and you know beyond 21st like you're not really having to worry about whether you make the country look bad you know there's Mm -hmm. there's you know you're not that's not in the forefront of your mind Mm. um you know, the only thing that they're really worried about at the end of the day is whether they're going to get that R rating so they can show it in movie theaters or show it on, you know, a streaming platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to assume that the filmmakers know what a privilege that is to not have to go through all of these different things. And I mean... Could you imagine what the original script, like if these filmmakers were able to do what they did in a country where they didn't have these restrictions, like imagine the films that we would have gotten, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm not saying anything Mm -hmm. against censorship because every country is different and we have to be respectful of what other, what other countries want, whether we agree with it or not. Um, But I'm just thinking in my head while you were talking, like imagine the films that would have came out during this, this, you know, time period that it just would have been so much different. And if they had that creative liberty to share what they originally had wanted without any restrictions. Um, so, and, and, and the thing is like, they still succeeded in what they did. I mean, the film you were talking about how it's like ranked like 100 of the best, you know, movies within that time period for that country. Mm-hmm. Um, so I oh, think no, ever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ever. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like that's yeah. and the, the, the things that they had to go through to, to actually get it to even get made. And yeah, he had, to, he had to talk to his best friend who was the fucking writer of the Chinese <laughs> national anthem. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I find that it's it's actually motivating too as like a creator because it's like we have all these liberties to kind of do and say what we want to an extent um so it's kind of like we really have no room to complain considering these filmmakers back then 
had so many things that they could have given up at any point in time and they didn't because they're like, no, I want to get this movie made because this is important to me and I want to share it. Um, so that's kind of what I'm getting out of it a little bit um, is yeah. how dedicated they were to their work and their craft and mm -hmm. getting these films made and jumping through all these hoops and trying to do the best that they can. And, and, you know, it just makes you think like how many people in these countries have amazing ideas about horror films, but can't make them, you mm -hmm. know, cause we, yeah. we know as horror movie fans that we don't have, you know, we got some gem, you know, not so great gems that we could throw away. <laughs> 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 Somebody, you know, in an Asian country who is under these guidelines, I'm sure they have the, the coolest idea for a horror movie, but they can't make it. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, I think that really is just shedding light on how much they, how hard they had to work and the connections and the, the people that they had to know. Um, so I just, I find that just so motivational, you know, as mm -hmm. just a content creator. Like you, like we don't make movies, but just creating in general, we kind of have the liberty to do what we want to an extent and they didn't. So, yeah. yeah and really think about it. Like if, if we were going to apply that to today, if we were under the same kind of restrictions that they were under, I mean, you know, put yourself in that, in that situation, you know, at least yourself, Crystal, like you're making a YouTube video, but you have to get it approved. See if it goes through the censorship board. And I know it's kind of a rough comparison, but I mean, with how the YouTube censorship is, I mean, it's probably yeah. not too far off, but, but like, think about that. Like you had to like get an approval. It, you know, are you sure, is it going to represent the, the country? Well, you know, is it going to put <laughs> penis in a good light? And if they come back and say, Hey, we like your video, but it's not going to represent the country well uh so we're not gonna prove it like i can yeah, only imagine literally how have to videos same would go for a podcast you know like you know it, it'd have to give that approval and if it if it's you know i mean we've talked and we've talked politics here and there on the show you know so guaranteed we would kind of be in the same boat of like oh yeah no no not gonna work you're asking way too many questions that are good <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So it just, I mean, it just gives you a tiny little bit of light into what they had to deal with, you know? Mm hmm. But, anyways, Cody. Yeah. <laughs> so, actually, just talking about like all the hoops that people had to go through and whatnot, um, we're going to actually, uh, the 80s actually was a great year. Like, the 70s and 80s were, like, great times for uh, Chinese horror cinema, especially all them gore fiends. And especially, and we're going to be following the Shaw Brothers studio throughout the whole thing. Um, because And uh, one specific director, because they really paved the way for all that, like, artistic expression to really come through their movies. And having, like, subtle satire and, like, actually being able to talk about their frustrations with their government and stuff like that. And, like, China in general. Like, they actually started being able to make more of these movies. <clears throat> and so the studio start And so during this time, the studio started releasing all kinds of mess messed up movies that tested the boundaries like i was saying um they released Bla uh, uh, black magic in 1975 and hex in 1980 both of the movies used for uh what used to be forbidden forbidden on the censorship board but uh dabbled in the use of the occult magic curses and all types of bodily fluids 
Yeah. Um, and then Centipede Horror, another movie came out sent called Centipede Horror in 1982, which has women throwing up and then eating the centipedes. Um, and I don't know oh, if that okay. was the whole movie. But... Okay, I thought that was like a subgenre in itself, but I was like, I've never no. heard of this. I was like, are they supposed to throw up in every movie? Is that the thing? <laughs> I've never heard of this, and I'm good. This is the precursor to Cuban Centipede. <laughs> Uh, sure why not <laughs> uh, it's not um but yeah and then there's a uh, 19 a uh, uh, special one 1981's corpse mania where it stars a serial killer who is also a necrophiliac and so they started pushing all the boundaries of the censorship board at this time and most of it didn't get released outside of hong kong but yeah they were still like pushing those boundaries and so uh the reason uh corpse mania was directed by uh a man named Q. I'm going to butcher his name, and I feel bad. Quay uh, Chi Hung. I'm just going to call him Hung. Um, so Hung was one of the most popular and controversial filmmakers um, that worked at the Shaw Brothers um, because he loved pushing the boundaries. Um, his fame, his most famous movie is the cult hit, The Killer Snakes, um, which has an S and M sex scene and lethal snake attacks. Um, he's, yeah. <laughs> No way. I thought... Rob Zombie, eat your heart out. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, apparently the guy controlled the venom in the snakes or something. I don't know. It's But that's, his, like, one of his famous cult hit horror movie. Um, he is also... he's But he's most famously known for adding social cam, uh, commentary to his mainstream movies. So, like, the ones that were getting released in theaters. Um, in a lot of his movies, he depicts the poverty of public of the public housing system, police corruption, and colonial government rule with unflinching honesty. Like he would say, "Yeah, this is like, yeah, this is a movie, but this is the shit we're dealing with." Like he he was one of the guys who like really like pushed the boundaries in China, like showing his dis his dislike. You know, like he he, he started all that there, kind of. Like he, he was more. He was like he was like one of them faces. I should say he was one of the faces of that kind of like movement. Um, and like so, for instance, but he still couldn't get everything past the censorship board. And so one of the biggest instances I love this is that in his movie Hex After Hex, which I I talked about Hex uh, a couple a little bit ago, and this is like the third movie of the franchise. Um, he has a man branded on the butt with a brand saying 1997, um, which is the year that China took back control over Hong Kong, which he was extremely against. And so they caught that. They caught that and were like, ha ha, no, censorship is back on the board. And so they changed it to S the the uh, brand to say SB, which was which is the initials for Shaw Brothers. So they were saying, yeah, it's just a meta commentary for the studio. And like in his head, he's like, no, fuck you. So, <laughs> so because of that, and uh, he, uh, his, uh, one of his other biggest movies is called, is the 18, 1983 movie, The Boxer's Omen. It's considered his best Shaw Brothers style schlock of movies. Um, it's a, it's about a, uh, it's a, so our hero watches his brother get crippled in the ring by a corrupt Thai boxer, and his and his uh, the body of his uncle is yeeted at him by a gang who tries to <laughs> then kill him, and then he is saved by a ghost who was about to gain immortality by being. But right before he gained it, he was stabbed in the eyes and poisoned by uh, some magical spiders. 
that is the synopsis of the movie. <laughs> so he made this movie, and in 1984, he uh, direct. He, that was one of his final horror movies. He and in 1984, he directed his last com or his last film ever, which was a comedy called Misfire. And he t- told all of Asia to fuck off, move to the U.S. He opened a pizzeria joint, and then he died of liver cancer in 1999. Oh man! But. He got his movies out and he told them to fuck off. So go that, go quick, go hunk. (laughs) (laughs) He did what he needed to do. So while the Shaw Brothers studio was pumping out all this fan, or sorry, go ahead, man. I was just saying, I was just like how he's just like, yeah, you you can take your opinions and judgments on my work and your restrictive access to it, and you can shove it. (laughs) Yeah, and and he's like, and I'm gonna go make pizza. <laughs> I'm gonna take all my horror and make out pizza. of all the things he decides to make, he decides to go for pizza. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and so during this time, while the Shaw Brothers studio was like in the forefront, pu- uh, pumping out all these fantastical horror movies and all, and uh, Hung was uh, pumping out all of his like social commentary horror movies and everything. There were still a couple directors uh, that still stuck to the traditional ghost stories and uh, really stuck to using Pu Song Ling's uh, tales as inspirations for their movies. Um, two, uh, two famous ones are director Yao Fang Pan. Uh, he released many ghost movies that uh, dealt with the uh, with uh, Pu Song Ling stories during the 70s and 80s, and then uh, King Hu. He directed more classics like a touch, uh, uh, like a touch of Zen and Painted Skin. Um, and so while the 70s and 80s did still have horror movies based on folklore and ghosts that inspired by uh, Pu Song Ling, it was also the beginning of the new wave of horror that was paved over the top of schlock that was brought to us by the Shaw Brothers studio. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of China's history around that time. Like, even though, like, all the, sh- uh, like I said, the kind of, like, you know, over-the-top schlockiness that we we know for the blood, uh, blood and gore of Asian cinema, like, they're still, like, they still clung on to their traditions and their past by telling their ghost stories and everything. But, like, the 80s is really what paved way for, like, the what's considered the new wave of Asian horror, which, like, is, like, when... Uh, uh, J horror also really picked up, and that became more international than also still Chinese horror is not very international, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's the know, Chinese horror till the eighties. I think the biggest like difference between just Asian horror and just you know modern and even uh, Western horror that was coming out during that time is that. You know, is that there is a far more importance of bringing a cultural enlightenment to the movies they were making. Where us, it was, you know, I mean, you know, we we had, you know, Michael Myers in Halloween. You know, who is he going to kill next? We had Jason Voorhees and, you know, Friday Thirteenth. Of you know, what teenagers is he going to mess up next? And it was mm-hmm. more about shock and awe and ta- telling a fantastical tale. Where, not saying that wasn't there in Asian horror, but it was definitely more so a. We're going to tell you a fantastical tale of horror and macabre, but we're also going to educate you a little bit from our cultural influence and what what you know motivated us to bring make this movie and what we decided to bring into this movie. And I do think that is the biggest and notable difference between uh, both dynamics when concerning this genre. 
Yeah. Well, what I also think is really so. I was actually asking myself like what the big cultural difference is between like American horror cinema and like uh, other country horror cinema, especially Asian horror. And like a lot of Asian horrors delves into the supernatural. Like even though like they were coming up with like the more over the top schlock when the, with the Shaw brothers were uh, make you know creating that over the top stuff within blood and gore, they still had ghosts. Mm -hmm. I mean ghosts in their stories and ghostly tales and whatnot were still prevalent in their stories. And I was like how come like and they and they stand the test of time and whatnot like you know they're still relevant and you're we're still using their culture in our own movies and whatnot you know like how many remakes of japanese horror movies have do we know of <laughs> you know what i mean you can name five the grudge the, the ring one missed call <laughs> yeah. water all the ones we talked about at the beginning of the episode <laughs> <laughs> old boy even old boy yeah um where's it going oh and so like you know that's and, but when you really look at, like, what's an American culture horror movie, we don't talk about our past. We talk about serial killers. <laughs> and it's, like, in the media. So you can see where the obsession of, like, these movies are, like, with all the cult between all the cultures. Like, even, like, I'm talking, like, China Chinese horror goes all the way back to the 1920s and to present day still delves into their past of folklore and urban legends and whatnot while we talk about serial killers and whatever's going on in the media today like it's just so crazy looking at the culture shit where asian horror is still so rooted in the past and recognizing yeah. their past and telling the stories of their past for modern day audiences and adapting it and stuff like that while we're still like what's happening now and we don't want to talk about the past <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's Crystal, true that's what's good, your take on point. this no that's a really good point yeah i mean if you look at um, I know, like, even Michael Bay, he's coming out with a film, I think it's called Songbird. Um, it basically is about the pandemic, <laughs> like, yeah. years from now, and how Americans and people are being put into, like, you know, these FEMA camps and things like that. And it's like, that's, of course, it's shocking and it's scary, but it's like, you don't have any other inspiration besides what we're already going through except for to make a movie about it um <laughs> oh i know what movie you're talking about i know what you're yeah, talking about now sorry yeah. don't mean to interrupt called, continue yeah no i think it's called songbird but yeah no that's really interesting um that you said that sorry. yeah i mean japanese japanese horror is so good um i mean if you ask anybody um you know what their list if they could give you a list of their favorite horror movies i guarantee j-horror will absolutely be on there everybody loves the ring everybody loves mm -hmm. the grudge everybody loves um you know what's that one it's the korean horror oh train to busan everybody yeah, loves train that movie you know mm -hmm. um so it's definitely infiltrated and yeah the themes of the you know asian horror we know that there's going to be a little ghost girl we know that there's going to mm -hmm. be things like that i mean even <laughs> cabin in the woods the cabin in the woods like made not made fun of it but like they went they were yeah, like okay go over to japan yeah, yeah go to japan so, and it's a ghost girl <laughs> yeah but like that's scary <laughs> you know mm. but it's that goes back, like you said, into the history of their beliefs. Um, 
The well, other one I don't think is I can't think of it at the top of my head. The the name of the film is The Forest, um, but I don't yeah. know if that I don't know if that was an Asian horror film before so, or I, I can't remember. I don't know if it's a remake of a of a film, but I know there's several Asian horror films to, about the forest, the suicide forest. For those who uh, I don't know the name of the forest at the moment, but um, for the, our listeners, there is a very famous uh, forest in Japan that's known for as the suicide forest, and it's just a place where a lot of people go to kill themselves. Um, it's kind, of, it's it's there. There's a weird reason for it, like. They don't know why everyone would like go there uh, to that forest, especially um, because there's also cases where people just randomly killed themselves for no apparent reason. They had happy lives and whatnot. But yeah, that's so that's what it's about. It's like the ghosts are there. Yeah, so that film also goes into there's another film, too. I can't think of it right now. Um they go into the wood. They're in Japan, I think. They go into the woods and they find a shrine, and they start fucking with it because, of course, they do because they're Americans. Because um, <laughs> tourism. Yeah, and something something happens, and they all get haunted by this ghost because they fuck with the shrine. And I can't remember the name of the film right now, but it was really good. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think that. Um, a lot of our horror movies nowadays have to deal with, you know, things that are currently going on, and that's always not the answer. Um, mm-hmm. Or they're just a lot of fucking remakes <laughs> and <Yeah>. sequels. <laughs> well, and seeing like, and that's so like, so this is my thing. So with Amer- uh, Asian cinema, the reason like that I've you know like after already reading uh, doing the history of Japanese horror way back when we talked about uh, actual theater horror and then of course when we talked about Korean and then now about uh, Chinese horror or China's horror movies they and why they're always like ghost stories like all the ghost stories are also vengeful ghosts like they're not out for revenge they're vengeful like it's mm-hmm. always like you know the ghost of someone who is wronged like comes back to right the wrongs and stuff and the per- or the person who wrongs someone else is haunted by a ghost who is similarly wronged and like and they have to get their comeuppance you know and so like the thing that i noticed with all of the the relation with all of like asian horror cinema is like especially with the ghosts is, and like why we keep talking about their culture is always like they're rooted in it like their past cultures because they're always talking about the sins of the past and we need to build a better future all of their movies like have some kind of reference to that and all of their folk tales are always like uh, references to that you know like any folk uh, folk tale that's about like some man who wants greed wants to get greed and then because of that greed he's killed by a kappa (laughs) you know like it tricks Mm -hmm. him like drowning him or something or like what i learned uh recently the uh this is a fun fact did you guys know that um tanukis are real Mm -hmm. mm-hmm You mean raccoons? No, tanukis. The actual tanuki is a real thing. It's called a no, tanuki yeah. fox. I did not know that. No, I, I do. Done. I do know it is an actual thing. I just still like to call it a raccoon because yeah. it makes somebody <laughs> angry. And yeah. I think it's the littlest thing to get upset about. Fair <laughs> enough. But like, no, it blew my mind because I listened to the tale about the tanukis, and there's this one about one of them who got too greedy. And that's what and it ended up in his death and everybody and like because of his greed, but he like did something for the town too, 
but he got too greedy because his greed the town kills him but then it affects the town like i can't remember the tale i'm sorry i'm trying to get a little off it but it was just a tale of greed and greed doesn't like go well and so everyone suffers type of a thing and so like i just noticed with third like like going back to it the like ref the significance of like japan always being always telling their tales of the past and china always telling their tales of the past in these horror movies is that their uh, all their main central themes are always like recognize the sins of the past so you could be better in the future so you can fix your future while american horror cinema is all about what's happening right now be afraid <laughs> like there's no future there's no future meaning to it i mean like with uh quay hung's films they were always like like he was very forefront with his dislikes of the of the government at that time and he was saying like we need to make things better and they didn't so he literally packed his bags and left so, like, you know, that's like the I do, what thing. I do. <laughs> but yeah, what, but before on. we before I, we get too far, for, I I do want to bring it back really quick. So, I did look up the movie um, that you mentioned, Crystal Songbird, because I remember hearing about this, and I thought it was a joke at first when I first heard about it. Because I, yeah, I think see. I saw it on a YouTube, I think I saw it on a YouTube ad or overheard it on a YouTube or something like that, and I thought it was just a joke. So I looked it up. I looked it up and I made a video on it, so maybe <laughs> that could also be a two. Yeah. That could have also been a two. But I thought I thought this thing was just made up and then I'm looking it up and just like so the it is the dumbest thing I have ever heard in a movie. And I'm so mad that Peter Stormare and Bradley Whitford were part of this oh. movie because they deserve so much better than that. So, so first off, the budget for this movie is anywhere from seven hundred thousand to two point five million. What it is about yeah. is, oh, and I'm gonna say it in the voice that I that I feel like they wanted this to be said in the way they wrote it in. So, <laughs> immune to the COVID twenty three virus, a courier races against time to save the woman he loves from a quarantine camp. Like it is already just like such a like sounds terrible. It sounds like a Michael Bay dribble <laughs> and like. Oh it's got a God. it's got a nine percent Rotten Tomatoes, a twenty seven percent on Metacritic, and like this is why I never trust IMDb ratings. They gave this one a four point six out of ten, even though I just did a movie that was a three point five out of ten and had a higher rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So at this point, I'm just like fuck you, IMDb. Why, <laughs> why, 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 why you give? It any, I don't even look or say it anymore. It's silly, <laughs> silly. But no, it's just oh my god, but. Uh, coming back to what we're talking about, though, sorry, I just had to bring that up because, like, it just—it it sounds so dumb of a movie. I want the other mm-hmm. listeners to know that it exists for the dumbness of it. But mm-hmm. um, and then, oh yeah, but bring it sorry. back. No, you're cool. You're cool. I <laughs> coming back to what we're talking about. I I think that one of the coolest things, though, that's happened during modern era right now in horror is that there has been, in my opinion, more of a protectiveness towards uh asian horror cinema like my example for this is that it was it was recent that it came out that they're going to remake train to busan for an american remake and there were so many people that like well exactly there was a lot of people i remember that came yeah that came out that got released literally after we came out with our episode of the review for it i remember that because i got mad this one this one was a. They, they started talking about it after we did the review, and then yeah. recently, it's like they're now announcing that it's going to go into production and whatnot. Oh, they finally got the green light. 
but yeah, so like there's a but there's a lot of people that are coming to protect the trained Busan saying, you know, this is the perfect definition of whitewashing. There's no need to remake it. Trained Busan yeah. is still a fantastic yeah. card. No, there's a lot of and I love seeing that. I love seeing all these people coming to defend and advocate for training abuse on because, I mean, that's what, you know, this show's about to an extent, too. You know, advocating for these movies that deserve more of that attention. Fuck the American remake. Go watch the original. It still stands yeah. up. It yeah. still pulls out the feelings. It is a good Oh, no, you film. have to read subtitles. Nah, shut up. Go read yeah. the subtitles. Get over right. it. Like, and honestly, we, you, can, you don't even need to read the subtitles to get that movie. They did the acting in that movie so fucking good. You could watch <laughs> it without any voice and you'd still know what's going on. Yeah. Like, I would still cry at the end if I didn't, couldn't, like, if I didn't read subtitles or whatever and didn't understand what's going on. Like, I'd still cry because, like, ah, oh, the acting's so good. Yeah. <laughs> but there, oh, I, feel I can't like believe they're doing to... that. I'm not watching oh. it. Nope, no, not watching I, it. Yeah, no. And here's the thing is that I feel like there has been more of a cherishing of like uh, cherish type of mentality for a lot of modern Asian horror. You know, a lot of people are now checking out these movies that unfortunately have been out for a long time now. But now that they are checking them out and watching these movies, watching, you know, Old Boy, I Saw the Devil, um, Creepy, uh, even the original Grudge and the original Ring, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's or audition. You know, I, I could go on and on, but my point being is that I feel like recently there's been a much more uprise in let's cherish these Asian horror films because they're doing they they are providing the change up that us as you know Westerners who have been around our type of horror for so long have been craving for you know we've been wanting new takes on horror we want something that we haven't seen before and Asian horror has been a great uh, home for that in my opinion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh yeah oh yeah well and no, I I don't know. It's just like what I, I what I hate that like especially now like you just bringing up like you know they're trying to remake they're already a remake and trained abuse on and shit like that. What pisses me off is like there are modern American horror movies that are coming out that are fantastic. Yeah, they're d- more divisive than most other movies, but like Hereditary, Midsummer, like I'm pretty certain those aren't remakes. Like yeah, they're telling of pagan pagan stories but like a lot of america's history is rooted in pagan you know mm-hmm. like yeah you have a lot of pagan roots and like and i think that's why it's so divisive for a lot of people's because like okay so this is like a totally just me talking out my ass theory but like don't <laughs> just <laughs> all right already prepared. making sure this is that like one of the reasons why like I think those movies, especially the pagan movies, like pagan centric movies, are so divisive right now is because right now in America the younger generation is recognizing our roots more in paganism, and then you have those like pure purists who hate those movies because it's not following the old horror guidelines of like you know the Christian themes of like the slashers. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I think that's kind of why, like, that, like I said, this is just a this stupid conspiracy thing that I thought of in my head, like, out of my ass. Like, but I think that's kind of wise because, like, that's where I feel most of the people that are arguing over these movies are like the hardcore purists that hate these movies, and then the more, like, the I guess the more open minded, I would say, horror fans that are coming out that are recognizing our cultures and whatnot. I don't know, but like I said, I, I mean, that could also use, use a little bit more refining 
to lay out there of like what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you're you're fine. I I do think you know. I mean that that I think is the topic of itself. Of yeah, I, I will agree. The there has been thing. like a, a newfound <laughs> of influence and um, modernization of of paganism and in Wicca, which is also related to that. Um, and I do think that is Poland influence because I've noticed something similar with doing my search results on for certain movies. But that that's another topic for another yeah. day in general. But coming back to it, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we have a lot to talk about with Asian horror. Uh, yeah. Crystal, I hope you can be there for part two. If not, yeah. we will have we will have you on for another one for sure. So don't don't ever stress yeah, that. I, but, have, <laughs> I have a special but, serial killer saved in line for when we get to do it, just for you. Yes. <laughs> so, so um, I know that sounds but, but, weird to say, but <laughs> I think for a horror community, that is the best thing you could say to someone. Be like, "Hey, I have a serial killer that you would love to hear about. I'm saving it just for you." That, I mean, like, it is rooted kinda... in America, just like Cody was saying. So <laughs> people get excited about you, that. You <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, um, but Crystal, before we before we wrap up, because I said I would touch on it, so I want to ask you of your opinion of of. I mean, you did put it in a video, but kind of giving you the moment to promote it as well. What was your opinion about the movie Josie? Uh slow burn. Figured it out. Um, good acting, bad writing. <laughs> what's the okay here's a better question what's the best horror movie you've watched recently and have you reviewed it on your show yes uh rent a pal it was on hulu i'm not sure if it's on hulu anymore um i watched it maybe a month ago month and a half ago great movie uh essentially it's a film about nothing but it's so good and so creepy so essentially it's about a a lonely man who doesn't have really anybody in his life except for his mother who i believe has dementia and he is the caretaker of his mother and he it's set in the early 90s um and he's trying to what were you saying I was going to say, yeah, we reviewed the movie for the show, too, and I love it. Oh, cool. Then you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. I thought it was, yeah, it was really good. Um, Because I also wanted to ask you about the new Bella Thorne movie, Girl, and ask you if it's worth the investment or not. Um, (laughs) No, I really liked it because it had, see, the thing is, I really like Bella Thorne as an actor, um, I think that she can, she plays kind of the same role in almost every film. She's either like super bitchy popular girl, or she's like this grungy, dirty girl who is, you know, fighting the elements kind of thing. Cause I know that a lot of people know her, at least in the horror world, she was in the babysitter and she was like the annoying cheerleader. Um, she was in, uh, Assassination Nation as one of the other bitchy girls. Um, and in Girl, she plays, um, this very rundown, it's, it's like a, it kind of reminds me of like a gritty, like indie B movie. Um, it was good. I liked it. I liked it better than Josie. (laughs) I'll have to give Girl the, the chance and actually check it out. But yeah. 
It was it wasn't bad. As long as you <laughs> if you have I just I don't like any, Bella Thorne. Yeah, you have Her to kind of be sig- Yeah, you kind of just have to ignore anything. There were definitely some parts you could tell like I was like, all right, relax. Like, you know, you're a little overacting, but when she's kind of being this like quiet like girl that just like sits at the bar by herself and like contemplating her whole life because she just found out something crazy like she does that really well mm-hmm. <laughs> well I will definitely yeah. check it out yeah but other things to check out ghouls gals creeps me into like is first off make sure you check out horror nights in go give crystal some likes some follows check out her videos I will say from an unbiased point, what I like about your videos is that you don't spend an overabout amount uh, too much time on getting your point across, and I like that. You yeah. have very, and and I think sometimes people take it as an insult, and I definitely don't mean it, but you have no, good digestible what? content, you know, that <laughs> makes it, that makes me want to come back because when I'm doing like my daily routines, I like listening to your show in the background and just having it, you know, play in my head and listening to your take on horror. So if you were looking for something like that as well, Ghoul's Gas Cubes Mutants, again, please check out Horror Nights in and just in general, check her out. Give Crystal some love. Give her some support. Subscribe to her channel because we know you're amazing listeners and well, well that's all we can ask of you, really. I mean, to an extent, mm-hmm. I guess. But uh, with that aside, Crystal, do you have anything else you'd like to add in before we close out? No, thank you guys so much for having me on the show. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah. Thank cool. you for continuing to come back. Yeah. <laughs> um, ghouls, Absolutely. gals, creeps, and mutants. Oh, up. hold on. I have one oh, last thing. <laughs> so go I ahead. wanted to, ahead, uh, just one, la- one last little uh, bit of knowledge. I wanted to throw Japan some love because uh, I did, we did like talk about them a little bit. And, um, so I just wanted to talk about like their, their big quick little snippet. Wow. Uh, Japan didn't really get uh, hop on the movie train horror movie train until the 60s. Um, it's that's just kind of considered their like takeoff point for where they had their giant horror surge with 1964's Oni Baba. Um, it's widely considered the first real big Japanese actual horror film, um, and it's like caused a surge. But just a couple, uh, but because we also did uh, hopped on. Um, oh my god, I'm so bad. The la- the we just guest start on that podcast i'm so uh, sorry real, bud. real nerds yes i am so sorry real nerds it's the uh, it was the shamley silhouette i think i'll have to double check really quick um, but, but yeah, anyways continue we, uh when we hopped on there we talked about godzilla which came out in 1954 which obviously predates onibaba and there were actually a small handful of horror films that came out before then um, Onibaba, and I just want to give out, uh, give a couple shout out to those horror movies. Um, 1926's A Page of Mandis, um, 1959's Tokaido Yots- uh, Yotsuya Kaiden, uh, 1953's Ugetsu, 1960's Jigoku, and of course 1954's Godzilla. So yeah, I just wanted to throw a little bit more knowledge on there. <laughs> and it's the ballyhoo. I apologize, Zach, if you're listening. That is my mistake. The ballyhoo. I, I was getting... Sorry, Zach. <laughs> like, it is the ballyhoo. Ballyhoo episode. Yes. So, love you. <laughs> love you so much. So please make sure you <laughs> check them out. Please check out Zach as well. I mean, if you search up Real Nerds, you'll also be able to get access to all of his shows. So just mm-hmm. check them out. But yeah, it was on digressing. 
coming back. Yes. Um, listeners, ghouls, gossip, scripts, mutants. This has been a chock full episode of just horror knowledge. Some some horror tangents that we've gone on, but uh, mm-hmm. with the horror horrorness inside, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode. We hope that we have equipped you with some knowledge, you know, some laughs, and given you a good time. You know, we we love doing this. We love talking to y'all. So if you want to keep following the show, want to support it, please like us and follow us on Facebook or on our Twitter at official prhp or on Instagram, Punk Rock Horror Podcast, hashtag PAHP Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at the Undead Matt on Instagram. Uh, I just said that twice. Not even <laughs> you, you, can follow me. <laughs> you can, you can, you can follow also... me on Twitter uh, at Krampus Cody. Uh, and again, listeners, uh, so just kind of like being a little open for a quick moment. So our Facebook hasn't been as active recently. Um, I'm currently the one that runs the Facebook, and I've taken a bit of sabbatical from facebook because you know it's facebook so uh if we don't see some <laughs> like on there, please check us out on instagram <laughs> please check out us out on instagram and we are now on slasher so we are on the slasher app itself you can find us there we're going to be posting there I'm kind of, we're, we're kind of trying to make this transition where we leave facebook behind slowly and just move everything to slasher but Do don't it. worry listeners you know we're just we're giving it an easy transition I don't want to do a cold turkey just like that. But anyways, coming back to it, if you want to support the show in, other way, in any other way, please consider buying merch from us over on our Teespring account, over at our Teespring slash podcast. You'll see that links below or on our Patreon listeners as well. Um, again, just take care of each other. Look out for each other. Be nice to each other. Um, you know, it, it's it's very it's so easy to be rude and to turn on each other and to lose your humanity. And the real strength is being able to pull deep and help each other stand up from the muck that we are all in currently. So please, again, look out for each other, advocate for each other, and just, you know, be kind. Pure and simple. Just be kind. Be nice. Matt, I'm going <laughs> to add that to the end of all my YouTube videos. I'll copyright you, okay? <laughs> Go for it. You, get, you know what? You get full use of it. If, Yay! If you get a message across to people to be nice to each other, have at it. You feel free to be as liberal with it as you'd like. Yeah! <laughs> all right, cool, ghouls, thanks. gals, creeps, mutants. We, <laughs> anytime, Crystal. We will talk about <laughs> horror with you next time. Bye! Peace out.
Just world. 